0: Welcome to Comically Pedantic, where we take a detailed look at the complicated concepts, characters, and history of comic book culture. I'm your host, Eric L. Chase, and joining me on this episode is the wonderful Corinne Levy. Hi! You have a cat.
1: I have a cat. He's with me. This is Oliver. He jumped on a thing, and I told Max to bring him over here as as punishment. I was like, haha, he has to hang out with me now.
0: So uh before we get too far into this weird episode that we're gonna be doing today, I guess I should ask if you have a bright spot for the week.
1: Oh my goodness, I do. Um I don't I don't know like where we're at in terms of like recording and posting.
0: Um it's it's so
1: I think it's um, pretty close. We're pretty close
0: now. I actually skipped uh last week so that uh I wasn't going to kill myself getting everything turned out
1: one time true true we do be we do be pushing out all of the spidey things um but yeah i think my bright spot uh we spent i i had my birthday this weekend so we did a lot of celebrating uh me and max which was a lot of fun uh one of like my favorite parts was probably we went on a picnic and at like a there's like a state park uh near us and we got to bring our cat so I got to like take him outside with us and he like we took him on a walk and he was super happy and fun and like man sometimes I just need like a good sandwich and I'm like happy for so long and that's exactly what I oh my gosh sorry I'm yawning and that's exactly (laughs) what I got (laughs) it was great um yeah, so we did that. I went to a cat cafe. That was a lot of fun. This was a very cat-themed weekend, apparently. Um, but it was really cool. All of the cats were up for adoption. I did not get one because I do not have room in my living space for that. Um, but it was a really cool experience, and it was, like, in a cute part of town. Um, and what else did I do? I went to a seafood restaurant, and I devoured a lobster. Great time, love a lobster, cool little fancy treat, we love it. What about you? I
0: I uh, I think for me, I was like, I was listening to you, and I forgot that I'm going to have to answer.
1: Yeah, now. you have to answer.
0: <laughs> and so I was just like, oh yeah, yeah. wait, I don't have anything to say. Um,
1: did you have any good food recently?
0: I actually did. You know. Yesterday, I made dinner for Austin and I. I made uh, homemade General So sauce. Um, oh. with. Uh, I also made some rice uh, with some steamed broccoli. And we had steak. And it oh. was very good.
1: Okay. <laughs> and, I thought you were going to say you essentially made a General So combo platter. To which no. I would have been so hyped about.
0: I do I, I do searching. that sometimes. <laughs> um but like I was lacking a lot of like vegetables that I would like to add. Uh, I re- I essentially just had broccoli left um and some you know those like mixed veggie bags that you can get yeah. in like, the freezer there's like carrots and corn stuff. I like that. Um Austin tends to not like it so much and I think it's usually the way I cook it, but the way that I steam our vegetables um I don't have like a steamer uh yeah. to use but I have um like a steaming tray for our rice cooker. And okay. it um but you can only do small amounts of vegetables. <laughs> right. So I was like I can do broccoli and that's probably like it's probably better to do a nice green than it is to like get a bunch of corn and stuff. Like and she doesn't really like carrots. Okay. Um I mean depending on how it's prepped, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, all right, I'll just go with the broccoli. And then we had this steak that we had to use. Um, so I was like, I'm just going to mess around. So we had actually, we had signed up for like a box to be delivered of like groceries.
1: Oh, okay. Um,
0: we Like a canceled.
1: HelloFresh situation or like
0: a. Yeah, it was a different company. Um, yeah. And I won't say like it was. But like a meal,
1: a meal prep <laughs> service.
0: Uh, well, it, it's kind of like meal prep, but they give you like a bunch. It's like a bunch of groceries. It's not just like what you're going to use for these specific meals. Okay. Um, but they give you like recipes for the things that like come so that you can, you can mix and match, but you can also use what they send. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we canceled our service because, uh, we had two boxes come. First Mm -hmm. of all, they were very expensive. Um, the both boxes that came had at least one thing damaged in them. Okay. Um, so it was like, well, we're already having to like throw out some, you know, stuff and it's expensive. And um the stuff that they were sending, I feel like I could easily I, like it for the amount of money I'm spending on this, I could literally go to the store and get so much more. Right. Uh for me it was more about like trying new things. I wanted to get outside of my own box and like okay. Get new stuff because like I'm left to my own devices. It'll be chicken rice and like black beans. I'm good. I'm yeah. happy, but like you know, we got to do some new stuff and sometimes it feels good and
1: Yeah, you got to have variety.
0: And it's nice to have like um, when I'm trying new things, I make it with like certain portion sizes in mind, you know. Okay. Uh, whereas like if I'm making stuff that I already know how to make a million times, I'm just like eyeballing everything, and it ends yeah, up yeah, and a, you're just using
1: more. what you have to make it. So it's like you might end up using like I don't know, like a pound and a half of something, but it's only yeah. like two of you, and it's like, damn,
0: what am I? And do I, with I've this done that stuff so often, but like the 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 steak that we got was pretty good. um the rice was so like the the recipe that they recommended for like the steak was mm-hmm. uh basically to make like a f uh like a baked little roasted potatoes yeah. uh, to go with the steak, which makes sense that you know those things kind of work together.
1: yeah, steak and taters.
0: but one of the things that was damaged in this box was the bag of potatoes <laughs> so, oh. Uh, I was like, well, what am I going to do with all of this? Um, So I made rice. I love rice. Um, I made the broccoli. And then I, now, when I learned how to make General So sauce, Mm -hmm. it has become like the number one thing that I want to make all the time because it tastes delicious.
1: (laughs) I love General So sauce. Like, it's my go to entree when it comes to like getting Chinese takeout. Oh, yeah, same. I like, uh, I love. That like people, when it comes to Chinese food takeout, you always get the same things that you've always gotten. Yes, and it's oh, it's so reliable. I love it.
0: (laughs) We, uh, I, I, the, the, I, the realization one day that I could make this stuff. Yeah, mind blown. Like that's like. The idea that it's not like, oh, you have to go somewhere to get this. No, no, no. I can make it at home.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you can. It's crazy. And it's
0: just as good.
1: It is good. Like, (laughs) we make our own, like, fried rice and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. content. Good. Good stuff.
0: If I'm I'm up and I have time. I don't always have time. But if I'm up and I have time, I make, like, breakfast fried rice a lot. Uh, Okay. It's so good. And Yeah. uh, it's like just, it, and it fills you up and you're ready to go for the day. You know? Yes.
1: Yeah, but I do love those like mixed veggies. The frozen bags. Like I know mm-hmm. the ones you're talking about. The blends.
0: Oh, I yeah. just
1: saute them though. I don't steam them. I just chuck them in the pot. Or the pan.
0: Austin doesn't like them when I do that. Uh, oh. She thinks they don't come out very well. And the last time I cooked them with her sister over, I like cooked them and I put like butter down so you mm-hmm. kind of cook in that. Because I was like, oh, this will definitely... She still only ate like half of what I get. and Whatever. (laughs) Right. I don't know. But we're actually not here to talk about food, even though you and I both love it.
1: I could talk about it forever, but we're talking (laughs) about something totally different today. And it's not Spider-Man today. We're taking a freaking break.
0: Yeah, I I needed a break. And like before we started this episode, we were talking about uh one of the the episodes that I'm gonna be I don't even know if it's gonna be the next one. Depends on like how fast I edit these episodes. But one of the episodes that I'm doing uh with Spider-Man was it's essentially three different stories that's that is listed as one. And yeah, it it's makes the crossfire no
1: storyline.
0: Yeah the crossfire storyline. So there's like one issue that has nothing to do with anything. Mm-hmm. Then there are two issues that are clearly meant to be their own story. And then there's a, th- like a fourth issue tacked onto that that is an entirely different story that kind of follows up a little bit off of something that happened. It's dumb. I hate it. It is stupid. The marketing department can go fuck itself because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so we're awful.
1: taking a break from that.
0: Yeah, today. otherwise I was going to like blow a gasket. Yeah. We're going to talk about some fun stuff. So We're like, going to
1: talk about one of Derek's favorite things, X-Men.
0: <laughs> while we have spent a great deal of time trudging through Spider-Man's clone saga and wondering how the decision makers at Marvel could possibly make something so short-sighted and unnecessarily convoluted, I came to realize that this behavior was not necessarily unique to this era. Allowing marketing to dictate storytelling, chasing trends in pop culture, and creating far too many avenues for one character are just your average Wednesday for the people at Marvel. It's with this thought fresh in my mind that I remembered one of my favorite characters and her unfortunately hilarious origins with the company. It's no surprise to many that, uh, well, anyone that listens to this show anyway, uh, that I am a big X-Men fan So, we of course would eventually have to talk about none other than Alison Blair, aka Dazzler. So, uh, what do you have
1: no clue who this is? Okay,
0: that's what I I was gonna ask. Do you know anything about this character? Here
1: are the X Men that I know. (laughs) And keep in mind, when I mention all of them, I am 100% thinking of like the early 2000s X Men movies. (laughs) Right. So, we got Hugh Jackman. That's
0: it. (laughs) Hugh Jackman. (laughs) Famous X Men, Hugh Jackman.
1: We have Hugh Jackman. <laughs> no, uh, so we have the Wolverine.
0: Right. We have
1: Cyclops, who is one hundred percent always James Marsden in my eyes. We, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we have Jean Grey, and no one likes Jean Grey because they always do like the Phoenix storyline, and that is what I remember. Um, we also have uh oh, the the bald man professor x we have professor x we've got um night the the funky blue guy i love him um shit there's more uh <laughs> there's one that's like a frog but i think that's just in the movie
0: <laughs> no 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 he's 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 an og oh, character he is? his okay, name is toad
1: cool. oh love that okay Mr. Toad, cool. Um, Magneto, obviously. I don't know why I didn't mention him earlier. My brain panicked. Uh, Sabretooth. <laughs> there's Storm. Oh, I freaking love Storm. Storm is so cool. Oh, cool. Um, oh, and then the guy that throws cards.
0: <laughs> Whatever. Gambit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so-, so that is cool. Very possibly. Oh, and Rogue, who's the person that accidentally kills everybody by touching them. (laughs) That's what I got for you.
0: (laughs) So you mentioned uh, the Phoenix, which is kind of interesting because um, Dazzler actually debuted way back in Uncanny X-Men number 130, which was right in the middle of the Phoenix saga. Okay. And the funny thing is.
1: Phoenix saga is where Jean Grey starts to go crazy. And like, oh, she Not, like overpowers herself. Essentially, is
0: there that- are two different Phoenix sagas. Okay, of. so
1: what is the one that the Dazzler starts it?
0: This is around where she starts to become evil, but it's um, it's so it's the it's around the Phoenix saga, and then there's going to be a dark Phoenix saga after, and that's where Gene uh, is like really has really lost control okay um so the idea it like it it doesn't matter so much to the story, but gene tech it like died in like issue ninety nine and an issue like one hundred or whatever it's some something like that uh it re is reborn as the phoenix, and for a while it's just kind of treated as this is gene, but with like, extra powers and then it becomes like a bigger deal you know, later on. Okay. So uh, Dazzler debuted in the middle of the Phoenix Saga, but she wasn't really supposed to. See, uh, Chris Claremont and John Byrne, the two lead creators on the issue, didn't create the character and didn't originally intend to include her in the story. Marvel, however, had Big plans for her introduction and asked Claremont and Byrne to work a guest starring role for her into the story because Uncanny X-Men was the company's top selling comic book at the time. This meant that Dazzler would reach a huge audience by being featured with the X-Men and having her front and center on the cover with the blurb, the dramatic debut of the Dazzler. So, So
1: she was just a character and they just... Picked for her to be an X Men because that was just the successful series at the time.
0: Yeah, so like they uh, just had a
1: bare bones concept, and they were like, "Cool, we'll make her like a mutant and psh, put her in X Men."
0: Yeah, basically, the, okay. back in 1979, Marvel was tasked by Casablanca Records with cross promotional adventure that would feature a singing superhero that they could not only publish comic books about, but also license an actual musical act. This had sort of been done before, but I'll touch on that in a moment. According to Louise Simonson, who was being interviewed by Comic Feature Number no. 7 in 1980, Casablanca came to Marvel and said, hey, you make a singer, and we'll create someone to take on that persona. So they okay. they, they want to have, like... Essentially, a cartoon, like Hannah Montana. You want to have a fictional character that can actually like still do. Is yeah, like Jim and the Holograms or uh, Josie and the Pussycats, you know? Yeah. Uh, okay. That's, a re- that's the idea. So naturally, Marvel looked around at the current state of pop culture and decided that the best way to sell a musical character was to tie her into the evergreen style of disco
1: hell (laughs) yes okay wait a minute i'm so excited (laughs) yes (laughs) now i'm just trying to think of like who they would try and sign as like her voice
0: well we're gonna get into a little bit of that so keep in mind this was 1979 when they I really hope they
1: want donna summers oh so I would love it.
0: <laughs> this, again, this was 1979. This was the year that had the infamous disco demolition night at Chicago's Comiskey Park, where a crate filled with disco records was blown up on the field between games. So many people came to see the explosion rather than the games. Uh, like they came for that event. Yeah. And after that detonation, they rushed the field and caused a riot where nine people were injured. 39 people were arrested, and the White Sox were required to forfeit the second game due to damage to the feel. Oh, wow. This is widely considered the year that Disco died, and it is also the year that Marvel chose to create a Disco Queen.
1: Oh, no! <laughs> Wait, so, I was so excited, and, and now I'm like... That's whiplash.
0: Whew. Oh, but it's fun. I Look, the... Like listen, creating- I'll
1: forever love disco. In my eyes, disco never died. I mean, like I guess discos themselves <laughs> might have died a little bit, and the club scene has changed. But like, man, oh man, would I kill the bee at a disco? I'm sorry, you would know.
0: have fun where where I work. Uh, if I'm in charge of the radio, uh, we are playing a disco play. Well, so. More Hell recently, yeah. I play a lot of ska, but like if I'm, <laughs> I one hundred
1: percent. Would
0: <laughs> I love ska? But if we're if we're having a little bit of fun, and I have to pick something that I think more people would be into, not just me. Yeah, uh, I put on the disco playlist, and it gets a lot of people going. It's 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 upbeat. People have it's fun a great with it.
1: playlist. I um when I would run, like, speakers and things like that, or, like, I would get to pick a playlist. I always ended up doing some kind of, like, funk or soul or, like, disco, and it just makes my heart so happy. Uh, (laughs) Ah, I dig it.
0: Now, I mentioned earlier that creating a character that could simultaneously be published as a comic and sell records had been done before, and that's because I was referring to the Archies, which was a fictional band put together as part of The Archie Show and created the hit song Sugar Sugar, which everyone knows.
1: The song was so
0: insanely popular, and the synergy between Archie Comics and Calendar Records worked so well that it inspired not only Marvel to introduce Dazzler, but also Hanna-Barbera to create (gasps) Scooby-Doo.
1: The Hex Girls! (laughs) <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I was literally thinking about them a minute ago. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, man, what are some like, you know,
0: what it's are not some singers
1: in cartoon form that I can think of?
0: That is something that came later. I'm talking the original pitch for Scooby-Doo.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Scoob-
0: Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Uh, was a cartoon, the original pitch for it anyway featured a band of teens that would travel from town to town, play gigs, and solve mysteries with their dog, who was also part of the band. If you ever go back and you look at um, the the Archies, part of the fun is that they have a dog that plays like the tambourine.
1: Oh, I think I have seen that before. Yeah. I'm looking it up as a... Like, you can keep going. I'm going to look at the picture.
0: (laughs) And so as time went on, the concept for that changed... And we wound up with the classic cartoon about a band of kids that just solve mysteries and have a talking dog. But it all started with the Archie comics and their hit song. So that's why they drive around in that van. It's it's a holdover from when they were supposed to be a band that traveled around and played gigs. Yeah. That was the whole thing. And what I find interesting about that is that the song the Sugar Sugar... um. And by extension, the template for what Marvel was going to attempt to recreate came out. uh, That came out in 1969, which means that they were also 10 years late to the thing that they were trying to emulate. Marvel doing Dazzler was 10 years after the Archies did this.
1: Oh, yeah. So it's like, I don't know. 10 years is interesting because it's like if it was like two years ago, it would be like, man, too soon. Like Mm -hmm. there's already like a good one. But like 10 years, I think you could maybe get away with it. I'm going to say it obviously didn't work because it's like, I have no idea who this person is, but I don't know. I still got hope for this Disco Queen.
0: So now that Marvel has decided to copy a business idea from 10 years prior and attach it to the carcass of a musical genre, let's talk about how development of Dazzler actually went a committee was created to work on the pitch which would feature a disco superhero named either disco queen disco dazzler or just dazzler and that would uh, that person would have light based powers that would tie into her music like that the idea so it's really tied in to disco
1: <laughs> yeah like the the whole like ball reflecting light everything okay mm-hmm. i can see it
0: So Jim Shooter, Tom DeFalco, Louise Simonson, and John Ramita Jr. would all have their hands in creating a story, which they had to revise four or five times before Casablanca agreed to move forward. Ramita Jr. has stated that he was asked that the character be drawn similar to Grace Jones, a famous model, singer, and actress at the time. Oh! This, This meant that Marvel's first version of the character was a black woman, something that wasn't incredibly common at the time.
1: I, uh that would have been so cool cuz like Grace Jones is truly like such an icon. Oh yeah. Like if you
0: ugh, if you google um like the original Dazzler pitch or something like that, uh you can find that image of Grace Jones as Dazzler. It's great. Yeah. And it's weird because I I was introduced to the character not looking like that. But um that That's the only reason. It, it's really cool and, and fun. And you can see Grace Jones, you know? Right.
1: But right but, now, I am definitely seeing the exact opposite of Grace Jones.
0: <laughs> yes. That's not... Um, I'm assuming what you're seeing is what was originally published. I think so, yeah. So, by the time Marvel had finished a solid pitch for the character... Filmworks, an independent film company that had recently merged with Casablanca Records, smelled the money that could be made from another Sugar Sugar level hit and introduced the idea of an animated special that would introduce Dazzler. Jim Shooter wrote a treatment for the special which included all of the artists that were currently signed to Casablanca, including Donna Summer, Cher, The Village People, and even Kiss.
1: Oh my God, I am a genius. <laughs> How did I know it? I don't know. I just I just like funky music. I also the love treatment? that Cher was possibly involved.
0: Oh, I love Cher. <laughs> the Treatment was such a hit that it was decided to be a feature-length film and guest star Spider-Man and the Avengers. This means that before the character had ever appeared in any publication, she was signed to have a comic book, a movie, and a record attached to her name. And that movie would have Cher, Kiss, Donna Summer, and the village people in it.
1: Amazing. <laughs> also, I did find, like, the original pitch idea. What a cool character. Right? Ah, oh, she's all, like, sleek and cool and, like, funky. Uh that would have been so good.
0: I love that I'm able to bring this to you and get you as excited about this character as I am. And
1: well, like, I don't think look, we've ever she... really talked about it, but like the amount that I love like funky disco music <laughs> is like it's
0: palpable. <laughs> she like, and this is a character that deaf like the people that like Dazzler really like Dazzler.
1: Well, because she's campy and Fun, it seems like.
0: If you go there, um, now the original uh, sort of pilot for an X Men cartoon that came out in the 80s was uh, this thing called Pride of the X Men. If you go and you watch that, first mm-hmm. of all, it's fun as hell, it's great animation. Um, you have a weird Australian Wolverine for Heck no yet. reason. Good. Uh, like they don't even. He's just Australian for no fucking reason. Good. But also, Dazzler is part of the X Men oh. in this weird ass cartoon that went nowhere. Uh, but it's fun if you can find. It's like I think it's only a half an hour long. Like it's a regular cartoon. But you can find the full pilot of it, and it introduces you to the X Men and everything that's going on. You kind of you are introduced through Kitty Pryde's eyes, and Kitty Pride is another character that I fucking love so it's it's everything i like is in this little pilot and the only thing i don't like is the weird australian wolverine but like i could i don't know i feel like i could
1: get down with it
0: (laughs) (laughs) so uh around this time with like this movie being produced and uh, like an album being set up and with this comic book supposedly on the horizon, the actress Bo Derek became interested in the role of Dazzler. Do you know who Bo Derek is?
1: The name is very familiar.
0: She's like, uh, well, for a while, she was crazy famous. Yeah. And she's, she's known for being incredibly attractive too.
1: Oh, they look so familiar. This whole episode is me just looking shit up.
0: <laughs> well, the so I guess the most important thing to know about Bo Derek, um, other than they have like a, a famous husband too, is that they are uh, a a white blonde woman.
1: Yes, That's they pro- definitely <laughs> are a white blonde woman. So that is uh, very different from Grace Jones. Right. I mean, so both very Bo little communities, but I really like the Grace Jones look.
0: As Bo Derek became interested in the role of Dazzler, uh, according to her, I was being offered everything. I had a huge offer for a ton of money to play a female wrestler. You can see that I'm not really the type playing Dazzler. This incredible rock performer would have taken a lot of training, so I wasn't anxious to do all of that. And at the time... Superman the movie had just become a huge hit, but superhero movies were nowhere near what they were what they are today. So, like Marvel decided that they needed to change the design of the character to look a lot more like Bo Derek, in the hopes of getting her excited to be uh, attached to it.
1: Oh, okay. This
0: meant Dazzler now had to be changed to a blonde white woman. Yeah, which is like that's how I know the character. So I'm not necessarily like super like upset I guess but it is like a weird thing to make such a sudden shift uh especially when you had like a, a design like a concept already going around at least for you know it's only one image but it's it's an image that you were kind of committing to you know
1: yeah and it was a really cool image um like i guess I don't know. I guess I can't be like too mad at it because it's not like they just totally erased like if the the first one was ever published and then they just totally yeah. like changed it afterwards. I think that would be like a little more shitty, but it mm-hmm. seems like this has been on the drawing board for a while now. So it's like, eh. it's like, OK, but I, I think. I, I like both of the designs, but I think I would have still wanted like the the Grace Jones inspiration to be somewhere. Like
0: Yeah. And and I'm sure somewhere in like the Marvel multiverse there is like a a Grace Jones dazzler somewhere to be seen, you know? I, or I'm like, sure in one of uh, the like, mini versions super of her cool.
1: If it was like, um, if they made it like the band Heart, where it's like a duo of women. <laughs> oh, that and would be fun! And then you could use both designs, ugh, because I like both designs. I think they could be yeah. friends. So,
0: and there, I don't know. At one point, I know that at one point, Dazzler was teamed with the character Lila Cheney. Um, mm. I don't really know how that would work because Lila kind of does like punk music. Uh it's kind of funny. I mean, I guess it could I would have been a whole a
1: squad of genres.
0: I I would be down for that kind of a thing. And oh, Lila Cheney. So
1: cool.
0: Lila Cheney is another character I'm a big fan of, but like kind of doesn't show up that much. And I don't really like her power set is dumb. I I don't really care for it. But like her as right. a character is fun. Uh and like her weird. She's like always tied up with like alien stuff. It's fun. Ooh. It's great.
1: Okay, <laughs> Plus, I. She did had it.
0: for for a while. She had a bodyguard uh, named Guido, and he went by the superhero name Strong Guy. I love him. Guido's great.
1: Strong <laughs> his, Guy.
0: <laughs> his name is supposed to be dumb because he gets he came from like a comedic comic book where they all had to have like. Uh, names and they were like a uh, a government position team. So like yeah. they were doing an interview and someone's like, "What's your name?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm Strong Guy." And he's clearly having a laugh at everyone, but that like became it. his name.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so as time went on, the studio decided that Jim Shooter's role as a comic book writer wasn't good enough for writing a movie. So a screenplay for the film was written by Leslie Stevens. Since comic books were seen as silly and campy, he felt there was no problem with completely changing the concept of the character, so he got rid of the light powers and gave her the power to make people tell the truth. So that's where we are with the movie now. She's now uh, (laughs) a disco queen that has the power to make people tell the truth. All right. At this point, though, the head of Casablanca Records was pushed out by his film partners due to some interesting accounting irregularities and excessive spending. So with him out of the picture, interest in the movie quickly fell, and when Bo Derrick introduced the idea of her husband directing the film, it fell even more. John Derrick was famous for his movies being behind schedule and over budget, so every bidder that was interested withdrew, which meant Bo Derrick backed out as well. Right. So now we no longer have a movie.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: this is where we are with this. This character has gone nowhere, but they've they've decided this has to be this big thing. I think at this point, they have now introduced her in the X Men. And when okay. I say they introduced her in the X Men, like they introduce her and like that's it. She doesn't join the X Men.
1: Yeah, She's it's just, just like in the- hi.
0: Yeah, she's in a story. That's it. Okay. (laughs) So this left Marvel in a weird position. They spent a lot of time and a lot of money promoting the development of a character that had so far only appeared in that one issue of Uncanny X-Men. Yeah. So that's when Jim Shooter had the idea to test out the direct market which is where uh, specialty stores could buy comic books directly from the distributor and get a larger discount in exchange for the forfeiture of their right to return unsold copies. You and I have talked about the way uh, distribution worked back in the day. Um, mostly when we were talking about Comicsgate,
1: gate, because yeah. uh, the way that you look at numbers. sales.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's very weird. And you have to take a lot of random data into account because like, you could have a shitty retailer, like a newspaper stand, rip off the cover, return uh, the cover to get a full refund for the book that they purchased, and then also sell the damaged copy and just basically double dip on like what you're making. Right. The idea for a specialty store, like comic book stores were not a thing until around this time. They just didn't right. exist. You got your comic books at a newspaper stand or at a grocery store. Like, Yeah. They're, you didn't go to like a specialty book place for this. Correct. So Marvel wasn't sure if the direct market would ever actually work. So the idea would be to launch Dazzler as a direct market only ongoing series and see how it did. Mm -hmm. So Dazzler number one was the first all direct comic book at least from a major publisher, and it sold 428,000 copies, which is a big success for the time.
1: That sounds... The comic
0: like good book one. continued for four years, with later Spider-Man editor, Danny Fingeroth, even writing several ah. issues. So there is a little bit of a connection here. Not just yeah. John Romita Jr., but we also got Danny Fingeroth in here to our Spider-Man coverage.
1: <laughs> yes. Crossover. So...
0: Not long after, Jim Shooter stepped in to write a graphic novel that was confusingly titled Dazzler the Movie. In this comic, her career takes a huge hit as she's outed to the world as a mutant. Her comic started losing readers around this time, so Marvel decided to fold her into the X-Men, and she became a full member of the team. And since then, she's pretty much always associated with Marvel's Merry Mutants. She's not like like every so often there might be like a dazzler centric story, but it's almost always in context of the, the X-Men
1: Now is she back to light powers, or is she truth powers? Yes,
0: so the truth telling thing never made it out of the screen uh, uh screenplay that was written for the movie. Okay. when they introduced her, they introduced her with the the light changing powers or the light okay. uh so I guess I should explain a little bit of what her actual powers are because they're cool as shit. She can take sound. And turn it into light. So that's why as a disco performer, she like does her own light show. Because she's able okay. to use the sound from the the, the music
1: yeah. and
0: turn it into this big event. It's great. Now later so how does she, how does
1: that work with like does she fight crime?
0: She at when she joins the X-Men, kind of. Uh and actually that's what I was about to say. She learns okay. how to like focus the light to where it becomes like hard light. She can it's like a uh uh being shot with um uh a concussive blast, I guess. Okay. Um it's an interesting way, like, but she's also like very acrobatic. Uh right. and they kind of like teach her how to do different things. There's one of my favorite issues of the X-Men. Um, I don't know if she's I think she'd already joined the team at this point. She runs into the Juggernaut and like they get into a fight. I don't remember why they get into it. They get into a, a fight because it's a comic book. And yeah. the Juggernaut is like, he keeps being like, I'm a big fan. I really don't want to fight you. But like, I'm a I'm a big fan. And it's so much fun <laughs> to like read that story. I love that. Uh, the The Juggernaut, by the way, also one of my favorite characters. I love him. I he's think just he's just like great. a big dude, isn't he? He's uh, so he's a dude that found like a gem that um gives him supernatural abilities to be like uh, basically unstoppable. And he gets like oh, okay. a big suit of armor, he's cool yeah. as shit. He has like a bromance with this guy named Black Tom Cassidy. They're like, <laughs> they're like in love with each other. It's great. I love them. And Yay. in more recent years, they've been making him more of like uh, uh, a a hero trying to like make up for his wrongdoings. They actually gave him the a juggernaut uh like standalone like solo series. Oh,
1: cool. I loved
0: it. It was so good. I Yay. was mad when I ended it. And it was only right. it was it was a short series, but I, I loved it. Anyway. I dig it. Back to Dazzler, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh as far as the impact of the character is concerned, Ira Madison the third of MTV, described Dazzler as a gay icon in the annals of Marvel Legends, asserting that Dazzler remains a hugely popular character, particularly among queer Marvel fans. Even though her stories were never tied to the disco scene at large, her journey of struggling for acceptance from a dismissive father and longing for the love of her missing mother was something that queer readers, who only years earlier could have been arrested for showing signs of affection toward a member of the same sex in public, connected with. Mm -hmm. Embracing your sexuality had to happen in the dark. Sweaty nightclubs with disco music blaring or for younger gay men far from metropolises of New York and San Francisco. It could occur in their childhood bedrooms reading Dazzler's exploits in between more butch fare like X-Men and Spider-Man that wouldn't get them bullied. Right. The role Dazzler played in X-Men comics is small. Yeah. She joins them... For a brief period. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's like, I was going I, I debated whether or not to add this to this to the episode. The um, because I feel like the origin of the character is far more interesting than any of the shit they actually did with the character. I love right. her. I think she's great, she's fun, she's uh, like a, an interesting person to read about, but all of the plot lines they come up with her are kind of dumb and they usually go nowhere. Right. She, like, falls in love with a guy from another dimension. She ends up pregnant, has a baby that's also him, but, like, a clone of him. Oh, okay. It's weird. They don't, Kind of like,
1: like the swamp thing, wanting to have a baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's,
0: like, the whole thing is very strange. And then... Okay. They also did a story where she, like... I, I'm pretty... Like, she's, like, immortal. But then they don't like. It gets brought up a lot that she dies and comes back, and then she's just fine. Ah. Like they don't, they never explain why okay. she just dies and comes back. uh
1: it's disco weird. Never
0: uh, dies. <laughs> there you go. But like, so nothing has been done with the character that like I could point to and be like, oh, this is, this is the long Halloween of Dazzler. Right. You know?
1: Okay. I get you. <laughs>
0: She's just there, and she's just fun. And I always am excited to see her. And nothing ever comes of her as a character, but it's always great. It's like checking in with an old friend, you know? You
1: know what? This makes me think of my love for Gus in Saga.
0: It's very similar.
1: Gus does (laughs) not pop up a lot. Like, he's just kind of there sometimes. And, like, yeah, you, uh, like, you learn a little more about him, and, like, he does have his own things going on, kind of. But I just, I'm just always happy to see them, like, drawn. I'm like, oh, boy, this is here. So, like, I get that. This, this is my dazzler. (laughs) Right. I love it. I have a a tiny seal man. (laughs) And you have a disco queen. (laughs) I support it's,
0: uh, it. <laughs> it's an interesting way of looking at, uh, uh, I guess, our our interests.
1: Hell yeah!
0: <laughs> I actually, I just found out they did a Dazzler action figure that I now must own.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, Go for holy it. cow! It's great. She has a like, it's like a like a unitard, but like with no sleeves. But then she wears like a leather jacket over it.
1: Oh, oh it's okay. cool as
0: shit. I love that style. It's so much fun. Cool. And then oh but you can also find a uh, an action figure of her wearing her like disco outfit. Oh, that's great.
1: Yay!
0: As far as like anything to do with like the character, I don't really have much more to talk about. I just thought it would be fun for uh you and I to have a little bit of a, a break from Spider-Man, talk a little bit about some disco. Yeah. <laughs> and, I you know,
1: I we boogied, we learned good times. <laughs>
0: I mean, I had fun with it. I I when I sat down, I was like, oh, you know what? I might write an episode just about the origin of Dazzler. And like two hours later, <laughs> I had finished my episode on the origins of Dazzler.
1: <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, hey. I, oh my gosh, wait, there's it. Okay. I cause I'm still looking at like images because I I like I like comic art. But there's an action figure where she has roller skates.
0: Oh, that's so fun.
1: And now I'm like, shit, what if I am Dazzler?
0: Oh, you know what? I (laughs) didn't even mention this. Dazzler was part of the team during the the Australian era of the X-Men.
1: Oh, well, no wonder she's in the show. Like, with an Australian Wolverine.
0: (laughs) So, there was a point where the X-Men... Where it's like it's the weirdest story. Where you have this like very strange band of X Men, um, like Storm, Wolverine, I think Longshot, Dazzler, Havoc. uh, I don't remember who else is on the team. Is that who
1: your cat is named after?
0: That is who my cat is named after. Yes. Oh wow, I had no idea. I just thought your cat was
1: named Havoc.
0: Ruby is also named after an X Men character, but a much less known X Men character. Okay. So Havoc is the younger brother of Cyclops.
1: Oh, okay. Uh,
0: And Ruby is an alternate universe daughter of Cyclops and uh, Emma Frost. Her name, she's Ruby Summers. And her her whole body turns, instead of Emma Frost can turn into Diamond, Ruby can turn into Ruby Quartz.
1: Ah, my cat's name is Oliver.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I also have a dog named Brownie and a a snake named Hank. So like...
1: Yo, Hank is a great snake name.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My, But like my cats are very specifically named after X-Men characters. (laughs)
1: That's okay. I support it. I wanted to name a cat Meatball, but... I got Oliver.
0: (laughs) I wanted to name a cat Lucifer, and I was told that's pretty funny.
1: (laughs) I mean, I think that's pretty silly, but also, like, I don't know that it's hard to come up with nicknames for Lucifer. Ah, Lucy, I guess. Yeah,
0: you know. Uh, But so during this era of the X Men, they like fought this weird magical creature and they all died, but because they all died. In like service of like the greater good or whatever, I don't know. This lady stepped in who is like super powerful, and she's like, "I'll give you another chance." And no one will know. Like the world, as far as they know, like the world thinks the X Men are dead.
1: Right. So
0: the X Men decide that they are going to work from the shadows. They're going to do the same work that they were doing, but they're going to do it while everyone thinks they're dead.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And <laughs> for some reason they go to australia and they live in australia during this time in the outback even they oh, find man. like this random like little uh I, it's like a tiny village that is abandoned but it also has like a bunch of uh of uh, uh, like working technology so they kind of create like they set up shop in australia and for a good while of the x men comics they were all living in australia and going on adventures in well, not all in Australia because they also had a teleporter that would take them places, right? Um, but he was like an aboriginal man, um, uh, and he like used his weird magic powers to send them places. That's it cool. was fun, and like that's that was when Dazzler was part of the team. It's a very weird era of the X Men, but it's also kind of right up your alley. <laughs> I love that.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, I'll have to find it one day. That sounds it's so fun. Much-
0: It's from the 80s too. So it's like, it's, and it's very 80s. It's, it's fun.
1: (laughs) I support the 80s. We're here for it. So,
0: I mean, that's really all I have uh, to tell you about uh, Dazzler and about that weird era of the X Men. Uh, I thought it would be fun, um, maybe to add in some of like the weird stories, but I really don't think it goes anywhere. It's not super important. You're not going to learn anything fun about Dazzler in learning about the dumb shit they've done with the character. Right. All of the fun stuff is just like what got her to be a character and why the fuck she is a disco queen debuting in the eighties.
1: Like, <laughs> Did the album ever come out? No. Oh. But uh,
0: actually, I'm actually glad you said something because there was a person who uh, made a a song and a music video as Alison Blair. Oh. Uh, uh, it was put out by greasy pig studios and the song was the site of the sound uh and it was a a, a it's not I'm, it's a pretty fun song uh it came out 8 years ago okay. and it is the character in it is supposed to be dazzler
1: oh. it's it's
0: fun uh I'll have i mean to they obviously can't sell it as dazzler but right. like that's the idea. She also debuted in, um, the, the in her live action version in X Men. The what was the like, Dark Phoenix? What was the name of that fucking movie? Uh, was it Dark uh, Phoenix? The I X-Men honestly one? as yes, I have yeah no X Men Dark yeah. Phoenix. Okay, so I'm not. I am a huge X Men fan, and I could not make it through that movie. I didn't even I, make it to her showing up in the movie.
1: I only watched <laughs> um I only watched the the ones with Hugh Jackman in it. <laughs> uh
0: okay, did you watch any of like the Wolverine movies?
1: Okay, wait. Okay. So Just Wolverine? I've seen the first 3 X-Men movies. Like and then I've seen yeah. Wolverine <laughs> Origins. Which oh, I that's hate. A fun one.
0: <laughs> it, like, no 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 ch- it's fun because it's bad. Yeah. Like
1: it's, I yeah. I was absolutely bored watching it when it came out. Um
0: you have to go into a certain mindset. I hated it when it came out. And then I, I, I went back and watched it and I was like, I oh, this didn't like is fun.
1: it. I'm sure like my opinion has changed since then. I probably will be like fine about it. Um mm-hmm. but it was at an era of like superhero movies that I was just like these are really boring and they should Mm. be fun and they weren't fun they just felt like military adjacent movies to me
0: well yeah I mean they were getting money from the US government to do that so
1: yeah and I was I didn't know that but I (laughs) but I was like this is boring Um, so I didn't like it and I I think I stopped there because I was so bored, I know that everyone says that Logan is really good. I still haven't seen it um and then I know Jennifer Lawrence was like Mystique for a little while, and I think Mystique is a cool character, but I never saw those movies.
0: They are mixed they are very mixed so i
1: that's I, what I've heard to, is that there's to go a along with
0: this story um. They did a movie called X-Men Apocalypse. Yes. And I was very excited because I really like Apocalypse. And I also really... It was set in the 80s. And I love the 80s. And I love X-Men in the 80s. I was did very excited Did they have
1: Dazzler in it?
0: No. Not at fucking all. It was, <laughs> but, like, here's the worst part of it. Is they had... And I remember specifically seeing this as part of the marketing... They had Cyclops, Jean, uh, Nightcrawler, Jubilee. I also love Jubilee. Um,
1: okay.
0: I think it was just the them. They go to the mall.
1: Oh, it's and like I they was, go to an arcade or something.
0: Well, in the I don't remember what happens in the actual movie, but I know that they spend no fucking time in the mall.
1: Oh, I hate I, when I that was, happens.
0: So upset. Like that is a thing I was so excited to see.
1: That happened to me when I watched Spectre. Um, so
0: (laughs) I wait, the James (laughs) Bond movie?
1: Yes. I went to go see (laughs) Spectre in theaters, and the whole intro to that movie is very octopus-themed. There's tentacles. There is not a single freaking octopus in that entire movie. I thought like it would at least be like floating around in the background (laughs) of like the villain's lair or whatever. Not a single octopus. I was so furious. I was like, this was a waste of time.
0: (laughs) I don't think I ever finished Spectre.
1: Not worth it.
0: I fell asleep. Uh, We put it on late one night. And I fell asleep. And then we were like, oh, we'll go back and finish it.
1: Well, spoiler then, alert, there's no octopus. So <laughs> quite frankly, I don't think it's worth
0: it. I we we spent like a weird period watching like a bunch of James Bond movies. And I think that's where we ended was on Spectre. I think we were just kind of like, you know what? This is it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think that's fair.
0: Um but anyway. <laughs> you can find more information at comically You can also follow us on Instagram by searching at pedantic New episodes come out most Sundays on iTunes, Stitcher, Google podcast, Spotify, and at comically If you have any comments or questions, you can send them in text or audio recording to comically at gmail.com. That includes like, if there's a character that you're interested in uh, and you kind of want to hear like us talk about it, like I'm interested in doing that. I, yeah, Can't say that it's going to be a super interesting uh, episode unless I find something fun and interesting to talk about. But we can do that. We can try.
1: Oh, we'll always find something.
0: Yeah. Uh, Please indicate if you'd like your name or question right on the air. And don't forget, we still own FuckComicsGate.com. I actually just re-upped on that recently. If you'd like to send a donation to the Games and Online Harassment Hotline. Uh, We will be back soon with another deep dive into the world of comics. But until then, you can find more exciting adventures at your local comic shop.
1: Hey, say, loosen up. Yes, uh-huh. didn't I tell you she's something we did it